Free Talk Live with Jeff Beck. Okay, welcome to the broadcast. This is the Monday edition of Free Talk Live. It's uh, I've been asked to repeat the date. It's March the 5th, 2007. This is the Monday edition of Free Talk Live. Well, I hope you enjoyed Led Zeppelin's Coda. Uh, they're a great band. And uh, for those that uh, have not seen them live... And I'm one of them. Yeah, I really missed out. Okay, and of course, uh, right near the uh, start of the program was George Lincoln Rockwell talking about how uh, <clears throat> when he would confront these uh, mobs of race mixers, as he called them back in the 60s, that <clears throat> the so-called white people in most of these groups were Jews. And of course, the uh, saying that the president of the NAACP was not a black man, but a Jew, again, by the name of Robert Fingarn, if I heard that correctly. That's the great George Lincoln Rockwell. And we're going to have a um, another dub that we're going to play in this hour uh, of Mr. Rockwell. Another techno-type dub, and I hope you enjoy that. Well, um, let's see what we have on the agenda tonight. Uh, oh, you know something that was interesting about last week? Uh, actually, it was last Friday, and White Man for Whiteland uh, was hosting. He was uh, substituting in for Dietrich. Maybe it was two Fridays ago. Uh, and um, the subject of um, the subject of Jim Jones came up, and uh, there was um, uh, some confusion about who he was and so forth. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about him tonight. I kind of wanted to lead off with this bumper, but I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and play it right now. Here, here, here we go. Yeah, what about, um, sorry to jump in here, the greatest multi-culty cult was um, Jim Jones down there in Guyana. Who, who remembers that? Oh, yeah. That was a little bit before my time. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a, that was a true multi-culty. Uh, de- um, that guy was a race mixer, and he uh, he liked to have niggers and... Whites and Asians and all joined the congregation, and they all went down there to Guyana, and they ended up, well, they all ended up drinking the Kool-Aid together too. Yeah, well, <laughs> eight hundred of them. Yeah, and they did, and they murdered a congressman. 
Did they really? It's kind of like the microcosm, microcosm of the United States. So far, we haven't had too many murdered congressmen, but maybe, maybe things will step up. Trash certainly never did any of that. Hold on a second. What are, Jeff, what the hell are you talking about? They murdered a congressman about. Yeah, they did. Well, he he was down there. Yeah, he was on the tarmac. One of them. Yeah, and the and the and the Jim Jones followers uh, caught up with him and killed him in the plane. I think. Yeah, he was trying to get away or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lynching. <laughs> oh, hold hold on, man. Yeah, that was a uh, Mark and uh, Kelly there at the end, and uh, the the lesson of Jim Jones, I think. Uh, I think still resonates in our time, and we'll have more to say about um, the Reverend Jim Jones and the People's Temple. Uh, but first, I want to have um, remind the listeners that Goyfire 49 was released. I haven't had a chance to listen to this except a little bit that was put on the feed, and it was a pretty good broadcast. And so, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed if you have a if you have a um, uh, iTunes or whatever. It'll bring it right back, uh, bring it on down to your computer. Put it in your iPod or other uh, portable MP3 players that you might have. Uh, we also have uh, Mr. Robert Vavelsberg. Uh, tentatively, uh, he will be joining us next week, next Monday. And we may have him on the first hour, so uh, don't um, don't think he may pop in the second hour. He may be in on the first hour, but we'll know more later in the broadcast, uh, later in the week, excuse me. Also, again, next weekend, appropriately enough, this is the George Lincoln Rockwell's uh, birthday is on Friday. Starting on Friday sometime, we're going to be rolling all kinds of um, clips from Mr. Rockwell. And I'm not just going to be playing uh, an entire sort of taped conversation. Uh, We've got it all kind of chopped up in segments. We do have, the enti- in some cases, the entire speech in its entirety, but um, uh, we, we have uh, kind of an interesting mix of Mr. Rockwell's words. Is, um, there's a lot that's uh, uh, not recorded by Mr. Rockwell, including an interesting uh, uh, kind of uh, biography by William Pierce about the life of George Lincoln Rockwell. Uh, he has some lessons for us as well. Okay, moving on, uh, a little bit more of internal news here in VNN before we get to Mr. Jones and other issues. Uh, The White Patriot Leader, uh, the Joplin Globe, takes note of the White Patriot Leader. Uh, This from the Globe's investigative writer, Max McCoy. Hmm. Uh, Here we go. A white supremacist newspaper published by an Aurora man who believes that, quote, a race war will start soon. Well, I hope so. Uh, uh, his newspaper landed on some lawns in southwest Joplin uh, this week. Joplin is in uh, Missouri, by the way. Uh, drawing the displeasure of the local NAACP chapter. Well, hooty hoo hoo. It's offensive, Jim West said, a city councilman and vice president of the Joplin chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. It's a little bit unnerving. The statements made are offensive, degrading, and unacceptable. Yeah, you bet they are. Uh, Fraser Glenn Miller, who for decades had been associated with the KKK and other white power groups, said several hundred issues of the White Patriot Leader were hand-delivered to Joplin Homes in an effort to spread what he calls the message of white survival. And yes, it is the message of white survival. 
That message also includes cartoons portraying blacks as monkeys and Hispanics as freeloaders. I don't have a problem with that description. Do you folks? The federal government, quote, the federal government is dominated by Jews and so is the media, said Miller in a telephone interview Thursday. Well, thank you, Mr. Miller. Anyway, he goes on, quote, uh, We have no choice but to, make, to take our message directly to the people. Uh, the establishment is terrified of people hearing what I have to say. Uh, the Jews rule us and are committing deliberate and systematic genocide against the white race, Miller, 65, the tabloid's editor and publisher, said. The Globe was alerted to the tabloid's uh, distribution by a resident who lives on 27th Street west of Schifferdecker Avenue, and she was disturbed by the uh, content. Anthony Griggs, they always call these people at the Southern Poverty Law Center, Anthony Griggs, a research, they're probably listening tonight as well, uh, a research analyst at the Southern Poverty Law Center in Montgomery, Alabama, said the newspaper is constantly receiving complaints about Mr., um, or the center, excuse me, the center is constantly receiving complaints about Miller's newspaper and another uh, newspaper, the Aryan Alternative, uh, which they say is a publication based in West Virginia, which is not correct. There's a lot that's not correct about the article, probably. Anyway, uh, now, you can take part in the fun. I'm serious, you can be the first in your neighborhood to distribute the White Patriot Leader. You can contact Glenn Miller to find out more about the White Patriot Leader at vnmforum.com, where you can personal message him, PM, or you can call him at 417-463-7703. That's 417-463-7703. And a parenthetical note here, phone anytime. Let's rap about the kikes and the coons. That from Mr. Miller. Okay, now to contact this show tonight, it's um, send a chat message to VNN Free Talk Live. That's VNN Free Talk Live with Skype. Skype's what we use to communicate on the show. We have a landline number, but uh, there's no reason for you not to send a chat message first, even if you don't want to use the telephony feature of Skype. So send a chat message first. If you just want to communicate a message to the show or to Alex or any guests in the show, you can also use that, and we'll read your comment on the air. In fact, we like that. So if you're reacting to something, we want to hear from you. You can send a chat message. You can you can open up an, uh, an ID like SS Obersturmfuhrer, so we don't even know who you are, or uh, the Fuhrer or something like that. Okay, <clears throat> now... Uh, back to Jim Jones. Uh, last week on the on the on the program, uh, Jim Jones was was brought up by me actually because of something that Chain was talking about, and uh, several people on the show knew little about this. And I can clearly remember uh, Reverend Jim Jones and the People's Temple. And of course, what I remember was the the acres of bodies. Uh, down there uh, on the uh, South American continent in, in uh, some sort of nigger country called Guiana. And they all drank the Kool-Aid down there. And it happened, uh, what precipitated it was a visit by a congressman. Uh, Ex-members of the cult were, um, you know, uh, complaining about what was going on with this guy. Uh, 
And so a congressman and, believe it or not, an XCA officer and a, and a news crew flew down to Guyana and met with Mr. Jones and, and stayed there a couple of days. And some of the people in the cult decided, hey, we want out of here. And they went with him and uh, this uh, triggered a paranoid outburst by Reverend Jim Jones and uh, uh, they murdered the pilot they didn't murder the pilot they murdered the congressman and a few other people um, now uh, Chain said that um, the Reverend Jim Jones and the People's Temple was a uh, or is a, a microcosm of the Qua and that's that's why this is interesting for us and that's why um, we'll be looking here at the Jim Jones of the People's Temple and we can see where all of us are headed we're not moving as fast as um, the Reverend Jim Jones and his band of 800 or so parishioners but the terminus or the uh, well the end point is still the same it's it's suicide that is unless we unless we get off this train we're on now um, it's not known so much today but one interesting aspect to the Jim Jones business was he was a multiculturalist, and his church was praised by California government officials for being multicultural. Uh, this is back in the 70s. But look, uh, we're getting ahead of our time here. I want to I want to give a little background on Jim Jones. He was born in 1931, and he was um, a graduate of Richmond uh, High School in Richmond, Indiana. And in the 1950s, he became a preacher. Uh, now. After graduating uh, from Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, Jim Jones sold pet monkeys door-to-door to raise money to fund his own church. Uh, that would be named the Wings of Deliverance. Now, I've always noticed a, a real nexus between like salesmen and preachers, and this guy confirms what I've always noticed. Uh, hucksters, hucksterism. Uh, it goes right along well with Christian preachers. <clears throat> he later renamed his church to the People's Temple, uh, which was located then in Indianapolis. He gained respectability when he became an ordained minister in 1964 in the mainstream Christian denomination of the Disciples of Christ. Um, this church of his was exceptional for its equal treatment of African Americans, or niggers, and many of them uh, became members of the church, he uh, started a racial uh, a struggle for racial equality and social justice, which he dubbed as apostolic socialism. Now, I'm going to play a clip here. I'm going to play several clips of the Reverend Jim Jones here. This is an actual clip from the day or the hours before they all drank suicide. There, for some reason, uh, which I haven't been able to uh, fully uh, understand, this was recorded in 1978. And this, um, you'll you'll hear the uh, you'll hear just the the sheer nuttiness uh, and uh, paranoia uh, <coughs> among him and his followers. Okay, here's the um, the first clip. What's going to happen here in a matter of a few minutes is that one of those people on that plane is going to going to shoot the pilot. I know that. I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. They're going to shoot that pilot, and down comes that plane into the jungle and we had better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us I'm telling you just as plain as I know how to tell you I've never lied to you 
and never have lied to you. I know that's what's going to happen. That's what he intends to do. And he will do it. He'll do it. Fortunately, being so bewildered with many, many pressures on my brain, seeing all these people behave so treasonous, it was just too much for me to put together. But uh, uh, I now know what he was telling me, and it'll happen. If the plane gets in the air, even. So my opinion is that we be kind to children and be kind to seniors and take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece and step over quietly because we are not committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act. We can't go back. They won't leave us alone. They're now going back to tell more lies, which means more congressmen. And there's no way, no way we can survive. Hmm? Anybody wish to? Anyone that has any dissenting opinion, please speak. Yes. You can have an opportunity, but if our children are left, we are going to have them butchered. Ooh. Well, this is known as the um, the death tape. And it was uh, an audio recording made on November 18, 1978, at the People's Temple compound in Jonestown, named after him, Guyana, immediately um, preceding and during the mass suicide and murder of over 900 members of the cult. Um, okay. Um, on with the biography of Mr. Jones. In the summer of 1977, Jones and most of the uh, 1,000 members of the People's Temple moved to Guyana from, well, where else? San Francisco. After an investigation in, at San Francisco Values. <laughs> After an in, yeah, this, that's right, San Francisco Values. After an investigation into the church uh, for tax evasion was begun, Jones uh, named the closed settlement Jonestown after himself. His intention was to create an agricultural utopia. Yes, an agricultural utopia in the jungle, free from racism and based on quasi-communist principles. Uh, people who had left the organization prior to its move to Ghana told the authorities of brutal beatings, murders, and of a mass suicide plan, but were not believed in spite of the tax evasion allegations, because Jones, listen to this folks, Jones was widely respected for setting up racially mixed churches which helped the disadvantaged. Okay, here's the uh, the great egalitarian himself, Jim Jones, right here, again, from the death tape. And once we kill anybody, at least that's the way I've always, I've always put my lot with you. If one of my people do something, it's me. And they say I don't I don't have to take the blame for this, but I, I don't I don't live that way. They said deliver up Ujara who tried to get the man back here, Ujara whose wife mother has been lying on him and lying on him and trying to break up this family, and they've all agreed to kill us by any means necessary. You think I'm going to deliver them, Ujara? Not on your life. No. No, you're not going. You're not going. You're not going. I can't live that way. I cannot live that way. I've lived with for all, and I'll die for all. Okay, that was uh, Mr. Jones again. Um, now here's uh, on with the story of the suicide here. In November 1978, a U.S. congressman, Leo Ryan, 
led a fact-finding mission to Jonestown Settlement in Guyana after allegations by relatives in the U.S. of human rights abuses. Uh, Ryan's delegation arrived in Jonestown. They had a little airstrip there, which I remember seeing pictures of, <coughs> on November 14th and spent three days interviewing residents. They hurriedly left on the morning of Saturday the 18th after an attempt was made on Ryan's life. Uh, they took uh, with them roughly 20, pe- uh, 20 People's Temple's members who wished to leave. Delegation members later told the police that as they were boarding planes at the airstrip, a truckload of Jones's armed guards arrived. They were niggers, by the way, as I, as I remember seeing the pictures, uh, arrived and began to shoot at them. Uh, when the gunman left, five people were dead. Representative Ryan, a reporter from NBC, a cameraman from NBC, a newspaper photographer, and one defector from the People's Temple. Later that same day, uh, 909 of the remaining inhabitants of the Jones of Jonestown, 276 of them children, uh, died in what was commonly been labeled a mass suicide, which uh, could also be called uh, the United States of America. Right now, we're in the middle of a slow-motion mass suicide. Although many who died were murdered, apparently, while most of the followers obeyed uh, Jones's instructions to commit revolutionary suicide by drinking. That's a quote, revolutionary suicide, by drinking cyanide. You know, really, revolutionary suicide, isn't that what's going on right now in this country? Especially if you're old enough to uh, remember the way things were around here. You know, revolutionary suicide, yes indeed. Anyway, they drank uh, <coughs> cyanide-laced cherry-flavored Kool-Aid. Um, Flavorade, I think, was the brand, by the way. It was the big... Uh, jug, with a smiling jug on it. Uh, others died by forced suicide injection or by shooting. Uh, Jones was found dead sitting in a, a deck chair with a gunshot wound to the head, although it is unknown if he had been murdered or committed suicide. The autopsy of his body showed high levels of barbiturate phenobarbital. Okay, here's the um, last two clips. Here we go. Been on hope for a long time, Christine, and I appreciate it. You've always been a very good agitator. I like agitation because you got to two sides of one issue, two sides of a question. What those people are going to get done, what they get through, will make our life worse than hell. Will make us, make the Russians not accept us when they get through lying. They told so many lies between there and that truck that we are, we are done in as far as any other alternative. Well, I said let's make an airlift to Russia. That's what I say. I don't think nothing is impossible. Well, how are we going to believe it? How are you going to airlift to Russia? Well, I thought he, they said if we got in an emergency, they gave you a code to let them know. No, they did. They gave us the code that they'd let us know of an issue, not us create an issue for them. They said if we, if they saw the country coming down, they'd create, they'd give us the code. And give us a code. You can check on there and see if it's on the code. You can check with Russia to see if they'll take us in immediately, otherwise we die. I don't know what else you say to these people. But to me, death is not and death is not a fearful thing. It's living this treachery. Okay, and this one too. This is, what I'm talking about the now is in the dispensation of judgment. This is a revolutionary this is a revolutionary suicide council. I'm not talking about self self destruction. I'm talking about what we have no other road. 
I will take your, your call, we will put it to the Russians, and I can tell you the answer now because I'm a prophet. Okay, and this is the one that I really, really like. I think I'm going to use this on bumpers right here. It's over, sister. It's over. It's over. We've made that day. We made a beautiful day. And let's make it a beautiful day. That's what I like. We win. we win when we go down. Tim Stone has nobody else to hate. He has nobody else to hate. Then he'll destroy himself. I'm speaking here not as uh, the administrator. I'm speaking as a prophet today. I'm speaking as a prophet today too, folks. <laughs> really. <laughs> I think you all know what I'm talking about. Let's say that, that first nigger again here. It's, it's, well, it's priceless, isn't it? It's over, sister. It's over. It's over. We've made that day. We made a beautiful day. And let's make it a beautiful day. That's what I Yeah, let's drink that Kool-Aid and make it a beautiful day. Anyway, um, there's a few other things that are interesting about Mr. Jones, and I suspect this of a lot of um, Christian preachers, although they don't quite go off, far off the deep end as Jones does. Um Jones had two sons, one biological, one adopted. Their biological son was named Stephen Gandhi Jones, and he did not take part in suicide, but was playing basketball uh, during this. Um, Jones, this is interesting here for us. Jones' adopted son, Jim Jones Jr., uh, was a nigger. He was African-American or nigger. Uh, uh, The couple, the... Jim and Marceline Jones were among the first white couples in Indiana to adopt a nigger child. And look at how much of that we see today. Uh, in Mark, in, now also about Mr. Jones, in MacArthur Park, which right now is swarming with illegals and drug uh, dealing. In MacArthur Park in Los Angeles, uh, Jones was arrested and charged with soliciting a man for sex in a bathroom known for homosexual activity. This is something I've also thought that Christian preachers are heavily involved in, is uh, homosexual activity. The man, as it turns out, was an undercover Los Angeles Police Department officer. Uh, Jones is on record uh, later as telling his followers that he was, uh, quote, the only true heterosexual, but at least one account exists of him sexually abusing a male member of his congregation in front of the others, ostensibly to, pl- to prove the man's own homosexual tendencies, which is bizarre to say the least. Uh, one of his uh, sources of inspiration was the controversial cult leader, Father Divine. Jones had borrowed the term revolutionary suicide from the Black Panther leader, Huey Newton, who was a certifiable nut, uh, who argued the slow suicide of life in the ghetto ought to be replaced by a revolutionary struggle that would end only in victory, which is socialism and self-determination, or revolutionary suicide which is death. All right, now, we could go in a number of directions here, uh, but I don't think we need to say anything more. But as white nationalists, um, uh, we could really probe this issue pretty well. Uh, Alex and Chain and others really have said so much about Christianity and multiculturalism, which which Mr. Uh, Jones and his group were harbinger of back in the 70s. And and it's something that is... uh, I think I think we should all know more about next time you're proselytized by a Christian preacher, uh, you ought to bring up 
the subject of Mr. Jones and the Kool-Aid and the mass suicide. Okay, let's launch right into the news roundup section of tonight's broadcast. This is the CBS Evening News. With Dan Rather reporting from CBS News headquarters in New York. Good evening. Danger. War. Killer. Fraud. CIA. Mayhem. Crisis. Horrible. Inflation. Military. Threat. Flaming debris. Fatal heart attack. Stress injuries. Prison disaster. Economic collapse. Dangerous radiation. A tide of violence and human misery. A liar and an unremorseful killer. Communists internationally smuggling pipeline, starving victims, and now they die. Chemical weapons, carpet bomb deaths, top FBI killed and injured children, police conspiracy, negative attacks, discipline, sex and drinking binges, dying of a heart attack, dying of breast cancer, dying of a Japanese nuclear bomb, mountains of credit card debt, the mountain of cocaine, tons of cocaine, atomic bomb radiation experiments, unwitting test subjects, dangerous radiation, marijuana abuse, hooked on drugs, time for us to bug out. Okay, uh, got a few chat messages here. Um, Kai Kruger reminds me there there was a television movie uh, about the Jonestown business. Uh, Powers Booth was the actor that portrayed, uh, portrayed Jim Jones. Uh, uh, but uh, he sounded sicker than the real thing, and, and he never knew about the, uh, the commie angle. Yeah, I didn't know the commie angle either, uh, but uh, as uh, Kai Kruger says, it makes sense. Okay, uh, on to the news roundup. File this under um, Race Realism, Houston Chronicle Science blog. Uh, it goes on to say that um, our European ancestors got very sick, so you could drink milk. Uh, most non-Aryans, although they, they didn't use that term, most non-Aryans don't produce enough, uh, enough lactase, uh, an enzyme needed to metabolize the sugar lactose in dairy products, after the first four years of life. This is normal for most mammals who lose the ability to digest milk after a weaning period, but not so for most Aryans. Something funny happened about 8,000 years or so ago. Uh, small groups of uh, Aryans began uh, gaining the ability to drink milk beyond the toddlerhood. How did this happen? Hmm. One theory is that the uh, gene for lactose intolerance spontaneously mutated among early Europeans, uh, who took up dairy farming. The other theory is that by exposing themselves continually to milk, the gene that controls our ability to produce the essential enzyme lactase evolved into these small dairy-consuming populations. Uh, Dr. Mark Thomas, UCA, uh, UCL Biology, said that, quote, the ability to drink milk is the most advantageous trait that evolved in Europeans in the recent past. See, do you get this idea that we're... That we're still evolving, uh, that evolution is still continuing and has continued over thousands of years, and that uh, other groups uh, also evolve uh, in different directions? I'm sure most of us do. If you've been around niggers, you know that. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> without the enzyme, enzyme lactase, drinking milk in adulthood causes bloating and diarrhea. Although the benefits of milk tolerance are not fully understood yet, they probably include the continuous supply of milk compared to the boom and bust of seasonal crops, its nourishing qualities, and the fact that it, it is uncontaminated by parasites, unlike stream water, making it much safer to drink. 
All in all, the ability to drink milk gave some early Europeans a big survival advantage. The team carried out DNA tests on Neolithic skeletons from some of the earliest organized farming communities in Europe. Their aim was to find out whether these early Europeans from various sites in Central, Northeast, and Southeast Europe carried a version of the lactase gene that controls our, literally our, our Aryan ability to produce the essential enzyme lactase into adulthood. The team found that it was absent from um, uh, much of the ancient bone DNA. This led researchers to conclude that the consumption and tolerance of milk would have been rare or absent in this very early time. Uh, anyway, once again we see that the um, evolution uh, provided this thing in a, in a pretty recent uh, time frame. Anyway, uh, once again, we, this is from the article, we see the power of DNA analysis to help explain history and archaeological finds. Okay. You know, Pierce... Pierce talked, one of my favorite um, <clears throat> audios of his uh, was uh, A White World. And you know, uh, Pierce talked about our evolution in more than one American Dissonant Voices broadcast and, and what it meant for us, for Aryans to evolve in Europe and the effect it had on the quality of Aryan stock. He spoke of the difficulties our race faced year after year and century after centuries in the dense woodlands of Europe. Uh, we were shaded by um, glacier fil- <coughs> glacier filled <coughs> excuse me glacier filled valleys and of the Alps, and of course the dense, rich farmlands of uh, the North European plains. Uh, Pierce said that these hard circumstances bred a superior human, but that our ability to master these circumstances over time is now mitigating against our own human quality. Well. Anyway, here's the words of Pierce himself. You know, the way in which Mother Nature ensured human progress and human quality in the past was through a high birth rate and a high death rate in a hard and selective environment. Many were born, but only the strongest and brightest lived long enough to have children of their own. In Europe with its strongly differentiated seasons, the family which did not plan well for the winter and save for the winter did not live until the spring. In the tropics, the grasshopper could afford to fiddle away the summer because it was always summer. But in the north, only the industrious ants survived and the grasshoppers perished. Unfortunately, we who evolved in Europe and learned how to control our environment, outsmarted ourselves by short-circuiting nature's selective process. Medical science is a wonderful thing, but applied indiscriminately and combined with a welfare system which protects the foolish and the improvident, it has led to a serious decline in human quality in recent centuries. The foolish and the improvident and a serious decline in human quality. And now, with human quality in our mind, we've come to the story uh, from Canada. Headline, Obese Aryan Boy Can Stay With Mom. Very nice. An eight-year-old British boy, I found this in a Canadian newspaper, who weighs more than 200 pounds, will be allowed to stay with his mother, who would risk losing her son because she can't control his eating. 
the local council of North Tyneside made the decision Tuesday after meeting with Connor McCready and his mother, Nicola McCune, McCowan, maybe, perhaps. Sounds like an Irish family. Doctors say that uh, Connor, who weighed 218 pounds and is considered three times the average weight for his age, is at risk for severe medical problems. His mother said it is difficult for him to help him because he steals... (laughs) Excuse me. He steals and hides food. (laughs) And eats double or triple what an average child would his age. Sorry, it really isn't funny. Anyway... Uh, quote, uh, <clears throat> the mother said, if I didn't give him enough to eat at tea time, I don't know when tea time is, I grew up here in the Midwest, anyway, uh, at tea time, then he would just go on all night looking for snacks and stuff, McEwen told ITV. Dr. Colin Wayne, the director of the National Obesity Forum in Nottingham, England, uh, called uh, Connor's Lifestyle extremely dangerous, adding he is at risk of developing diabetes in his early teens and cardiovascular and and nervous system problems in his 20s. Quote, he's really looking at dying by the time he's 30, Wayne said. Connor is 5 feet tall, wears adult clothes, and has size 8 shoes. According to media reports, he has difficulty dressing and washing himself. This is disgusting. Misses school regularly because of poor health and is targeted by bullies. Of course he would be. Now, d- <laughs> gentle listener, uh, <clears throat> this man, this boy is a white boy. And uh, I'm asking, you know, how can we fight back with a generation plagued with such problems? Um, not everyone's that way. But I just think sheep for the shearing, sheep for the shearing. Okay, now... <clears throat> Meanwhile, back in the quad, almost two years after Miami doctors removed a life-threatening tumor from the face of Haitian Haitian teenager uh, Dahana Stephanie David, uh, she will get her chance to thank one of the people she credits for saving her life. Dahana, 17, will meet President George Bush at the White House. She doesn't speak English, but, you know, why should that stop her from being here? She doesn't speak English, but she learned the words to God bless America, which she plans to sing to President Bush, and I'm sure he'll love it. She also learned to say, I love you, President. <clears throat> ah. she, got on, she went on to say, it's a beautiful country because you have hospitals and doctors. And you don't have suffering. Boy, how about that? Dahana said, speaking in Creole Tuesday night, Dahana wants to thank Bush for leading a country where she was able to regain a normal life. Do- uh, doctors performed a nine-hour surgery to remove a three-pound tumor from Dahana's face at Jackson Memorial Hospital. Hospital? Doctors, uh, Dahana thanked the doctors with a note that said, I love you, Jesus. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, I have a list of countries here. Haiti is not one of them right now, anyway. Um, yeah. And uh, I wonder what, uh, who can guess, who can guess 
what these countries all have in common. Antigua, Austria, Australia, Bahamas, Bahrain, Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Cuba, Denmark, Egypt, France, Germany, Greece, Honduras, Iceland, Indonesia, Italy, Kenya, Japan, Luxembourg, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Oman, Peru, Portugal, Singapore, Spain, South Korea, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom, Venezuela, Diego Garcia, Greenland, Hong Kong, Kwajalein Atoll, St. Helena, Guam, Johnston Atoll, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Saudi Arabia. Okay, if you didn't get that, I'll repeat that again. Okay, here we go. Antigua, Austria, Australia, Bahamas, Bahrain, Belgium, Canada, Colombia, Cuba, Denmark, Egypt, France, Germany, Greece, Honduras, Iceland, Indonesia, Italy, Kenya, Japan, Luxembourg, Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Oman, Peru, Portugal, Singapore, Spain, South Korea, Turkey, United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom, Venezuela, Diego Garcia, Greenland, Hong Kong, Kwajalein Atoll, St. Helena, Guam, Johnston Atoll, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Saudi Arabia. Okay, now these are the countries uh, which the U.S. government acknowledges to Congress, uh, I should say the Pentagon perhaps acknowledges to Congress, that is, tells Congress uh, that we, uh, where we have significant U.S. military bases. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, uh, that they tell us about, because they have secret bases. And so far as we can get any news from these countries about our bases, they are almost universally hated by some portion of the public there. And I don't wish to emphasize the suffering of other people, of other races, because uh, we know the persecution that whites suffer who challenge uh, Zog's military and, and the government and so forth. Uh, probably people we've never even heard of, uh, uh, including, uh, well, including the millions of brave Germans who fought liberalism and who fought communism in World War II. But anyway, um, I think the story, uh, these bases, and a story I saw on the BBC uh, webpage about South Korea is emblematic of the kind of resentment that boils in native populations uh, when we place uh, these multicultural cancer cells uh, known as uh, U.S. bases in their lands. And don't forget, uh, Europe is staffed with these as well, and these bases are not full of uh, uh, nice blonde boys from the Midwest. They're full of niggers. And they go, fuck the German women and everything else. God, I hate the U.S. military. Anyway, this is um, this story is from South Korea. Um, <clears throat> a village near uh, Pyeongtaek uh, in South Korea has become subject to an eviction order. That's right, the, the entire village to allow for the expansion of a neighboring U.S. Army base, Camp Humphreys. Uh, Kim In-Soon, 72, who was born and raised in the village of Dechuri and spent all of her life there, said, I have a little bit of land, but I'm too old and frail to help uh, work it. A fellow farmer rented it from me, and the money helped me get by. When I first heard about uh, that they were going to expand the base, uh, my head started to hurt, and I got very sick. My children live away from me, and I can't work due to my old age. I used to depend upon the tenant who was working on the, on the farm, uh, but now they took the land away. It's been empty and barren for the past year. I have no money coming in, 
I had to rely on allowances for my children. We've been fighting for years to save our village, and we had hope. But after I heard the result of uh, negotiations with the government, I was shocked. In other words, her own government betrayed uh, their own people so the U.S. Zog could expand a military base in South Korea, people uh, that I have no interest in, in uh, helping, really. But again, I don't want to do them any harm either. Uh, we must move out of our, our village. Uh, the news made me lose sleep, and I started to get headaches again. Uh, I have to say goodbye to my land, my home, and my friends. And, you know, honestly, folks, this story, when I read it, really made me mad. And I have really no hatred uh, for this, this, this the, of Koreans. Uh, they're living in their own land. Uh, and it's money that is extorted from me and you, uh, which pays for this killing murder and the expansion of the U.S. military machine. Uh, the problems of North Korea and South Korea are their problems. And I don't wish to make enemies with either side, and I'm sure everyone listening tonight feels that way. We feel the way that George Washington said in his farewell address, friends to all, enemies to none. And I'm sure we can ask ourselves, uh, beyond, beyond Korea, who listening tonight has a quarrel with Kim Jong-il? or Mahmoud uh, Aminadejad, or Bashir Assad, have they, have these men and their people dismantled our industries and shipped them to Asia and Mexico? Have these men allowed the brown tide from the south to flood the southern border? What have these men and their respective nations done to us? Really, what have we done to them is the better question, isn't it? And while I'm on the subject of nationality, being an American is about as meaningful as the term uh, Soviet. The fact is that we Americans are held together right now only by the bounty of empire, by the bountiful entertainment, by the largesse of cheap food, by the wealth that generations of our European ancestors who settled this country and accumulated it by the sweat of their brow and which is now being doled out to the unworthy of our own race and worse, to the hordes of brown invaders. Now, if this entity called America, or Ameriqua, starts to unravel uh, the disparate factions, especially the racial factions, if they start to untangle, the mess, the bloodshed of the various racial factions or groups will exceed anything the Soviet Union experienced during its dismemberment a decade ago. Count on it. But, of course, it's a big if. We could go the Brazilian route. You know, you need to ask yourself, why should a race war happen? The other races, they're beating us into submission and getting all they want. You know, in a war, you have to have two sides. There will only be a race war if whites begin to resist in significant numbers. And so far, folks, that's not happening. Yet... For me, anyway, that's not reason to stop agitating. Agitate, agitate, agitate. And my friends, when we get involved in these overseas wars, which are a total waste, what exactly are we fighting for? Why, for instance, are there troops in Afghanistan? Uh, to protect the opium routes to Europe? Is that why we're fighting? 
And this is the day I saw a report from the AP uh, <clears throat> that since the liberation of Afghanistan uh, five or so years ago, opium production has risen year after year. This is from the AP report. Afghanistan's 2007 opium cultivation could expand again after last year's record crop, the UN Drug Agency said today. Quote, this winter survey suggests that opium cultivation in Afghanistan may exceed, in 2007, the record harvest of, a, of um, 165,000 hectares, or 407,000 acres, in 2006. Last year, uh, opium cultivation rose 59%, deepening fears that Afghanistan is becoming a narco-state, courtesy of the U.S. military. Okay, uh, Alex will be on pretty soon in the broadcast. If you want to send a chat message or come on the show, especially in the second hour with Alex, uh, send that chat message to VNN Free Talk Live. VNN Free Talk Live. Now, <clears throat> let's take a brief uh, break for music during the pre-show, uh, uh, during the uh, CODA, uh, playing with Led Zeppelin's CODA. I mentioned a, uh, a dub uh, that we put together here uh, on VNN. Uh, we'll be playing during the uh, Rockwell Memorial broadcast, so I hope you like it. Give it a listen, and tune in next weekend to hear George Lincoln Rockwell. My major activity, I'm an agitator. The right wing has got uh, plenty of talkers and plenty of writers and pamphlet passers and rally holders, but there's almost nobody else in the right wing who go out amongst the enemy and get out there in the street where you get arrested and where you get attacked, and this, I think, is our function. George Lincoln Rockwell doing The Matrix. Hope you enjoyed that. There'll be more of that uh, next uh, weekend, uh, all weekend. Uh, George Lincoln Rockwell, we're celebrating his birthday. He was born in 1918, March 9th, 1918. Okay, i got kind of a nice um, story here about our ancestors, the Vikings. Uh, we have a story... Uh, which illustrates uh, what James Hawthorne is apt to say, uh, Aryan genius, uh, that is uh, the Aryan genius of our ancestors, the Vikings, who don't get their credit, but tonight they're going to get their credit. Oh, what's that? Uh, got chat messages here. No, there's no money, VNN money update tonight. Just park your money and uh, let it get some interest for another week. Okay, back to the Vikings. How might the Vikings have navigated on cloudy days, uh, asked Corey Benz. Uh, 
I'll get the uh, story here. Where's it from? Well, anyway, look it up on Google News and you'll find it. Vikings. Vikings navigated the ocean with sundials aboard their Norse ships, but on overcast days, sundials would have been useless. Many researchers have suggested that on uh, foggy days, Vikings uh, looked uh, toward the sky through rock crystals called sunstones to give them direction. No one had tested the theory until recently. Uh, a team sailed the Arctic Ocean aboard the Swedish icebreaker Odin. How about that? Odin, huh, folks? And found uh, sunstones uh, could indeed light the way into the foggy and cloudy conditions. It would have worked. Uh, crystals such as cordite, calcite, and tourmaline work like polarizing filters, changing in brightness and color as they detect the angle of sunlight. From these changes, uh, Vikings could have accurately determined where the polarized skylight was coming from and pinpoint the direction of the sun, said bi- biophysicist Gabor Horvat. Quote, under foggy or cloudy conditions, a Viking navigator could have uh, guessed the position of the sun by clouds or fog by determining the skylight polarization in two celestial points and could have guessed the position of the invisible sun, uh, said Horvat uh, of Utvos uh, University in Budapest. Uh, although all the pure, all this is pure hypothesis, researchers, uh, researchers can test the scientific possibility uh, of such polar, uh, polarimetric navigation. In previous studies, Horvat and colleagues demonstrated that Vikings might have required some uh, kind of device other than just the naked eye to accurately guess the position of the sun on cloudy days. Their findings were published in the uh, April issue of the journal Proceedings of, Royal, of the Royal Society suggest that if Vikings uh, <coughs> were to have sunstones aboard, the Norsemen could have used them to determine where they could go, where to go. But unlike uh, sundials, archaeologists have yet to find any remnants of sunstones. Uh, the sunstone theory was first proposed in 1966 by Danish archaeologist Thorkild Ramskow. Uh, yet the only hint that Vikings used sunstones comes from a mention in the Viking legend known as the Sagas. Uh, although there is neither archaeological nor historical evidence supporting the theory, it is so nice and splendid that it can easily trap the fantasy and imagination of professional and amateur scientists, said Horvat in Live Science magazine. Yeah, Live Science is where this comes from. Well... <coughs> A little bit darker story here before we bring on Alex. Let me see if he's ready. Got a couple of scat messages. No, thank you. And let's see here. Oh, good. We've got some people who'd like to come on next hour. And if you'd like to come on, please do. My voice is not holding up too well, so I'd appreciate it also. Well, <clears throat> while our people... We usually close out here with a little bit of uh, typical spick behavior, so tonight will be the same. <clears throat> well, our people were navigating the earth, uh, or finding the circumference of the earth. Uh, what was that, Ptolemy that did that uh, in Greece? <clears throat> uh, the uh, American Indians were eating the lungs and hearts of their tribal foes. Uh, <clears throat> and this uh, congenital savagery among the American Indian, or now more often the uh, mestizo. Well, it's time for... It's time for an Hispanic family 
values update. Let me see if I can find the. Oh boy, let me see if I can find the. Uh, I had some nice bumper music played here. Oh, I appear to have lost it. Okay, I'll, I'll put that back in <laughs> the uh, show here. Uh, we have a story from Pueblo, Colorado. Three boys were three people were arrested on charges of swapping a five-month-old boy for a down payment on a Dodge Intrepid. A Dodge Intrepid in cash, uh, police said Thursday. Nicole Uribe, 23, is accused of trading the baby to uh, Jose Juan Lerma, 47, and his wife Irene, 27, <coughs> in exchange for the down payment on an unspecified amount of cash and an unspecified amount of cash. Uh, all were arrested on suspicion of felony trafficking in children and were being held at Pueblo Jail under a $50,000 bail each. The baby was in foster home, <coughs> said Sergeant Brett Wilson. Brett Wilson, what a nice, nice name. <coughs> Better than um, uh, Jose Juan Jose Lerma, don't you think so? Anyway, <coughs> Wilson said he could not speculate on the motives for the alleged deal. He said police found the child and arrested Uribe within hours of getting a tip on Monday. The Lermas were arrested on Tuesday. Wilson said that all three uh, were Mexican nationals. Mm. How about that? And federal officials had been asked to investigate their immigration status. Okay. Well, that... um, that ends this news roundup segment. So let's see if we can bring in Alex. How about that? Vanguard Radio. No Jews. Just right. <laughs> 